Hello, welcome to Chance Time, a generic video game podcast hosted by myself, Ryan Speakman. And of course, we have the Paul, the Bills, Paul Bills. <laughs> I, I don't have anything cool to follow up. Uh, hello, it's me, the Paul Bills. And we have, of course, the Low, the Curtis, Curtis Low. <laughs> oh, got him. Wow. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Really great intros. Curtis, you sound farther away today. I am farther away physically. Where are you at? Just in San Diego for a work conference. Whoa. Everybody loves conferences, right? It's mm. funny because <laughs> they gave us some pretty good swag. And that's, they gave us like brand new, I think they're JBL Bluetooth headphones. Wow. Like they look pretty nice with a big, like 42 ounce. It's not a Stanley Coke? cup, but it's one of those big uh, mugs, <laughs> those double insulated mugs, you know? Okay. Wow. In a like duffel bag. And it's a pretty good size. Like it's comparable. It's a little smaller than like my gym bag that I use for basketball. And I just can't help but wonder. Like I, I have to get it home somehow. I didn't check any bags on the way here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I actually might be able to check a bag on the way home because I'm with a different airline for the return flight. So maybe it'll be okay. But it, was, it makes me wonder if they thought about that. Of people flying in, suddenly you have like a whole extra duffel bag. Yeah. What's the What's the other airline? Southwest. Oh yeah, you're good. Southwest does a free checked bag. Cool. And a free carry-on, so, so you're good. Yeah, because I just came with a carry-on and a backpack on the way down here. And being who I am, it was a little tight because I had the whole case for my Switch with the dock and everything in it. <laughs> Along with my... I mean, that's all you need. Priorities. Did you play the Switch back. on the plane? Is my big question. I actually ended up playing my Steam Deck okay. the whole time. That's still good. Because I had, yeah. Every time. I've been playing a lot of Risk of Rain, and I had a run to finish, and it took me like the whole flight to finish the run. Wow. So. Yeah. Every... No, wait, that's not true. I just I started another run after that because I was already there. Got it. When we, We've talked about this before, I think, but every time I'm on a plane, I never see anyone playing video games except for me. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I used to see, see today either. Yeah, I used to see people playing 3DSs all the time. But now, I don't know, something happened. I think people are too embarrassed. But they got to realize it's cool. The 3DS was just the peak plane handheld. That might be I mean, true. Which is better, but it... the 3DS was peak play. It also might have been the case that maybe I didn't see a lot of people playing it, but I got so many street pass notifications. I was like, okay, everyone's got one of these in their backpacks. Yeah. I do remember the first conference I went to for this job was in Atlanta. And it was probably like a year, just a year after I got my Switch. And that was, so that was like 2018, maybe in 2019, somewhere in there. So this like the Switch hype was still pretty big, right? Yeah. Um, I think it was the year Luigi's Mansion had just come out, so I was playing that, and uh, 
I just remember on one of my flights, I sat down and I was playing it, and the guy next to me pulled it out and started playing like the new Fire Emblem or something. And we were, I remember like we both looked at each other like, yeah, you know, like we had like a <laughs> moment of just like, yeah, we're both playing a Switch. That's cool. And he let me, and he noticed my battery was dying, and he let me borrow his charger Man. to charge my Switch. And was, we had a we had a moment, you know. Hope that guy's doing okay wherever he is. That's beautiful. <laughs> But, yeah, I thought I would get a look for pulling out a Steam Deck because that's not as you know as known as a Switch. And there's this guy sitting next to me, and I you know made a judgment. I was like, this guy looks like he might play video games. He's gonna give me a look when I pull out my <laughs> Steam Deck. And he didn't. He just stared at his phone the entire flight. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And he didn't even fist Maybe bump not. you. No, nothing. No acknowledgement. Sad. Well, I want people to acknowledge I'm playing video games, I guess. That's the message that we want to give to everyone listening. If you're on a plane and someone pulls out a Steam Deck, give them a fist bump. Give them a fist bump. Well. And if it's one of us, we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. Of that's Shinstar. right, yeah. Give us your name, address, and other information. We'll say it all on the podcast. Um... What a great transition into our next segment. Uh, Mike Struckerberg's one thing. The segment where we talk about whatever we want. We each have our own moment to shine. And talk about something unrelated to the topic. I'm going to go first for you guys. If that's okay. That's great. Perfect. Uh, of course, I've got to give the Hades update. I did two more runs since we last spoke. Uh, I didn't play too much this week. But if you remember, run 23 was my first defeat against Hades. And the past two runs, I beat Hades both times. You did it. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I beat him with the sword and with the gun. But here's the conundrum I've been. I was looking stuff up and... There's apparently this thing called the administrative chamber that only triggers when you die. And I feel like from what I've read, that's like the next big thing of like unlocking more things to progress. So was, I don't know. I, I feel like I shouldn't have been winning so much like a great video game player. <laughs> I don't remember what triggers what, but I do remember the administrative chamber. And it's it's what fun. Is that? I remember that. It's like the. Is that where you go to like see your stats, or is that something different? No, I think it is. Yeah. I I don't have any story spoilers, but I have spoiled like almost all gameplay for myself. So <laughs> you may talk about it freely. Isn't there like yeah. extra like quests you can do for people in the chamber as well? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I don't remember the details, but that does sound right. So my next run, I'm going to do the fists, which is the one that I could not beat. Any, I couldn't even beat the first boss with the fists the first time I tried it. So, oh, interesting. I feel like I'll die with that one. 
but I, I even like turned up the heat on the past two runs with whatever that's called pact of punishment, I think. Mm -hmm. And I only did one, so it wasn't really that hard, but I feel pretty good about myself. Other than that, I don't really know. Curtis texted me last night at like 11.45 p.m. and said, you should try the demo for Super 56. <laughs> and Did you try it? I did not. Sorry, I, I didn't have time. And then I... Um, I But I watched the trailer for it. And it looks like a weird WarioWare style type game. And I put it on my wish list immediately. And then today, I got an email saying Super 56 is now available. And it was $6. Like right after you texted me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got an email too. Oh, cool. Uh, but I did buy that. So I'm, I'm excited to try that out. That one seems like a good Steam Deck game, I think. Yeah, it is so weird. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I'm excited for you to play it. Yeah, it looked like a game that I would enjoy. I immediately thought of you. I don't even <laughs> think I got to like the actual gameplay. I was just laughing. And I just remember thinking, Ryan's got to try this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited to try it out. Um, but of course, we've got to remind people it's the Spider Month of Wonder. And we really only have a week and a half until Spider-Man 2 and Super Mario Brothers Wonder comes out. And so I'm trying to kind of uh, finish a bunch of stuff before that. So my goal... I don't think I'll finish Hades, but I'll continue to play that here and there. Um, but my goal is to finish Pikmin 2 a little to the left, and we'll we'll kind of gauge where the Super 56 game is. And then, of course, Case of the Golden Idol. I want to finish before all this, since we're doing our review episode on the 26th, I believe. And so we we only have one more case left, but we'll we'll talk about that more in the review episode. And then I want to do all the DLC levels. So, but we've generally so been you're in the very last case. Yes, nice. we've been doing one case a night here and there. Sometimes we'll yeah, miss that's it. a good way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's it for me. I <laughs> I've just been doing kind of the same stuff, but exciting times for video games, I guess. Paul, do you want to go next? I do. Because I get an extra entry into the Super Mario Month of Wonder. Ooh. You can add some some mirage the, into this yeah the super mario month of wonderful mirage <laughs> <laughs> wow uh assassin's creed mirage is out now 
this is not an ad. This is not a sponsored link. Just, just stating a fact. Uh, and I, I personally, and just, I'm just loving it. Um, this is going to sound like a negative thing, but it's in fact a positive thing. Nothing turns off your brain like Assassin's Creed. It just, it really delivers the like, I'm not, I'm not asking anything of you. I'm just entertaining you. And it's beautiful. And I really appreciate it. Uh, and I think Mirage is delivering on all of the promises it made. It is definitely smaller and shorter. Uh, it's definitely much less of an RPG. And it is definitely much more stealth focused and like uh, like I'll call it like stealth puzzle, where it's like you have to get here under these conditions, and there's guards here, and there's different ways to do it. Pick your pick your path, kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I I'm having a really good time with it. Uh, is how, this the best is how... Assassin's Creed you've ever played? No. Okay. But I I still think that belongs to four. Um, and how many Assassin's Creeds have you played? I have played four: Unity, Syndicate, Origins, Odyssey, Valhalla, uh, Chronicles, China. Um. I think that's it. And now Mirage. And now Mirage. Oh yeah, I've been playing. <laughs> okay, so you have played eight Assassin's Creed games. Yeah. Out of four hundred, I think. Uh, yeah, approximately. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I don't know if this is racist to say, which probably means it is. But oh, I'm gonna go ahead a good and say note it. to start on. <laughs> yeah. Assassin's Creed Mirage feels like someone tried to make an Aladdin video game. Hmm. Like the the like setup is very Aladdin. You're like a street thief that thinks he's meant for more. And you literally like run across the tops of of the buildings and stuff running away from guards with swords and it's like like they haven't done anything to like explicitly call out the connection but it's definitely there um and pickpocketing people and running away from guards what's the song yeah. i forget one jump ahead yeah one that's the one ahead. and yes and one thing they've added to this, because you are a thief, is there is a pickpocketing mechanic. And as you're walking down the street, you can pickpocket people that have, they have like a, a purse, like a little pouch, I'll, I'll call it, hanging off their back. And it's like just a mini 
quick time event kind of thing where you initiate the pickpocket and then it brings up this diamond that shrinks and there's like a highlighted portion of the diamond and you have to tap the button again right when the shrinking diamond is in the highlighted portion. And so there's like harder and easier pickups where the highlighted diamond is thicker or thinner and so you have to be more exact or less exact. Uh, and I can't stop doing it. Like, it's so simple, but it's so satisfying to just go around pickpocketing people. <laughs> and actually, it's quite useful, because like, there's this uh, interesting token system. And you can there's power tokens, scholar tokens, and merchant tokens. And you can use the different tokens to like request different favor favors of different groups of people. So you can like use a scholar token to ask a street musician to distract guards for you. You can use a merchant token to convince a group of merchants to let you enter a restricted area with them and it, they like disguise you. So it like counts as entering in stealth even though you're like walking in broad daylight cuz you're like part of their group. And you can use a power token to hire mercenaries to go attack a group of guards so you can to like distract them and fight them. So it both eliminates them for you and gets them out of the way. And you can pickpocket tokens off of people. So there's like people walking around that have these in their pouches. And they're usually a harder pickpocket. But if you pull it off, you know, you now have these tokens to use for all these different uses. So like it's a it's a nice little looping system that encourages you to do these things and then gives you more options elsewhere. Um yeah, I'm like surprisingly into it. Like the the mechanic itself is so simple, but there's so many reasons to do it that I keep pickpocketing people over and over and over again. <laughs> uh it's also just like when you're it's a better way to traverse the city. Like when you're walking from place to place, it's like, well, I'll just pickpocket everybody on the way there. <laughs> and it's like, you feel, feel rewarded for it instead of just running there as fast as you can. Um, but the last thing I'll say for now is Assassin's Creed always has like a really funny double standard to it where it's like, we're the good guys. And then you just, kill dozens of people um just because they're in your way pretty much like there's no good reason for it uh i honestly can't think of a scenario where someone's like we're the good guys oh what job do you have assassin assassin yeah exactly <laughs> like we're fighting for freedom i'm gonna kill a ton of people and steal their stuff as i walk down the street like so Anyway, in this one in particular, for some reason, the double standard is, like, bugging me way more than it ever has in this series. Because, um, like, there's a scene where there's this rebel leader, and he's, like, torturing a guy for information. And the main character, Basim, he's like, is this your freedom? And it's like, dude, you killed, like, ten people on the way here because they were in the way. Like, what is this lecture you're giving this dude that he can't torture someone for information? Like, 
why why is what you do okay and what he does not okay? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and like they keep talking about how like they're fighting for the people, and then you walk down the street and just take stuff out of people's pockets the whole way, and it's like these aren't all like the rich controlling the government and being corrupt. These are normal people walking down the street and you're taking all their stuff. <laughs> like <laughs> this doesn't make sense. You can't make this add up. It's just like, uh, it's fun. And we have to have a story that makes it seem like we're the good guys. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe I'll get to the end and there will be like a moment of reckoning where he's like, we're not doing this right or something, but I doubt it. That's not how any of the other games have gone. But, like, in Valhalla, there seemed to be much less of a double standard because you were just openly a violent Viking conquering territory, and so you're going to kill people. And that, there was no conflict there. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, this is who this character is, a murderer. And that, that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> but this one, it's like, I'm fighting for the people. Anyway, it's really <laughs> interesting to me. And it's never bugged me this much before in the series. And... I've played a lot of these games, as we just said. So, yeah. And I guess, like, in 4, you're just a straight-up pirate. So it's like, yeah, this is what I do. Like, I, I'm owning this as my identity. I am a pirate. But this one, they're trying harder to, like, make him seem like a hero, and it's just not working for me. What but if... I keep stabbing people, so it's not stopping me either. What if it was the mirage month of spider wonder <laughs> yeah i'll take that too <laughs> um how how close are you to beating the game do you think yeah so i was gonna mention that too how long to beat says this should take like 12 to 16 hours i am 20 hours in and i don't it, what I is feel what's the main plus size plus? Yeah, I mean, I should look it up again. I thought the main plus sides was the 16. I'm looking. Uh, yeah, 18 and a half for main plus sides. So you could, you're closer. Yeah, 25 and a half for completionist. Yeah. That might be I what you're doing... heading towards. Yeah. Did I just oh, say maybe other... that what you're heading towards? <laughs> It worked for me. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. Uh, oh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, I have done a completionist style thing in in every Assassin's Creed game. I think everyone, at least all the ones I've played, there's like a super armor you can get that's from like the ancient civilization. That's like the sci-fi nonsense behind Assassin's Creed. Um, and so I, I've done that already in this one. I've I've done the the collection challenge to get the super sci-fi armor, and it looks straight out of Destiny, which it's it's just very funny to me that it looks <laughs> so sci-fi, and I'm running around ninth century Baghdad, and. And what's really funny is because this is a much more stealth-focused Assassin's Creed than they have been recently, I'm wearing this, like, super crazy sci-fi armor that's unlike anything else in this whole city. (laughs) 
but I can still hide in a bush or just like run away for a second. And they're like, well, I guess I didn't see anything. (laughs) (laughs) And and they're also like, I can hide in a crowd of people and they're like, we can't see him. And it's like, I am so obviously different than everyone in this entire city. Like you would not forget this look, but you know, we're going with it, you know, suspension of disbelief. You gotta, they're just making it fun. I shouldn't criticize, you know. Can you do the thing where um, you can run around a corner and then sit on a bench between two other guys? Yes. And hide there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was always my that's favorite a... one for some reason. Yeah, that's exactly so what I mean. Run around a corner and then like... immediately sit down. They come around by, oh, yeah. here we go. Like, oh, he... <laughs> I guess we lost him. Yeah. It's <laughs> exactly the kind of stuff I'm talking about. And you're wearing this like glowing metal armor, like, you know, there's there's not even an idea of electricity yet, and I'm like glowing green with <laughs> like face mask, and it's like, hmm, oh, where'd where he go? <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell. That's He's awesome. in the crowd. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, that went on longer than I thought, but I am enjoying Assassin's Creed Mirage. I'm glad. And also. I do want to say, I think we should at least mention, we played Marvel Champions together, and it was glorious, even though Loki destroyed us for like three hours straight. I just I just want that recorded on the pod. Well, he had the Infinity Gauntlet, so it wasn't yes, really fair. Yes, he did. It was... Yeah, I... How, how was that? Was it... <laughs> like, review your experience playing a board game with me and Curtis. <laughs> Oh, it was it was great. I mean, Do you, you guys did lit. You literally jumped straight to the hardest scenario <laughs> I have, and I warned you of that. And you guys were cool with it, so we went for it. <laughs> we had to. Um, yeah. Is it? Do you prefer the experience with people more than solo? Uh, I mean, yes, definitely. But one thing I thought about after. Like we were like the next day I was like, oh, I didn't try very hard to like keep it thematic at all. You know, like we were being purely mechanical, right? We were just like, oh, we got to do this to stop this. And we got to beat him. And Mm -hmm. we didn't really like talk through very much like how How what we were doing. Yeah, like we didn't like try to, yeah, we didn't try to like elaborate the story at all. And that's something that I do when I play solo, like pretty naturally, because that's what makes it fun when it's Mm, solo. And I just didn't really think about it because we were like playing together. So it's a very different dynamic. And, you know, it's it's fun to just try to figure it out, the puzzle together. But I I didn't really think about it until the next day where I was like, oh, like that's what I've said I love so much about this game. And I didn't even like think to like say, hey, okay, let's talk through what we think's <laughs> happening but we were also yeah we were I panicking mean, the whole time we, we were dying pretty yeah, fast I so. death, like basically <laughs> the entire time yeah so we didn't really have time to think about what it meant we were just trying to survive the only comment i remember making that was like that is the first time we tried that scenario and we legit almost immediately died and it was i said it i think it was I said that it was it was like in the stories when they run into the villain and almost lose like yeah they so it's lose, like they barely yes. get away and it's instantly like oh come back and win 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's too powerful. What can too we possibly powerful. do? Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then we never did come back and win. Yeah, I was going to say that it turns out nothing is what we could do. No, no, no. We're, we have figured out a way. It's like days of future past. If someone dies, they just send the consciousness back to the beginning. <laughs> and then we just start repeating in a loop until we finally figure it out. <laughs> There we go. Well, now we've made it thematic. So, <laughs> uh, long, long live Marvel Champions. Yeah, it was very fun. And even though we were nowhere near close to yeah. beating the scenario, I was having a blast the entire time. Yeah, me too. It was great. We wanted to beat three different versions of Loki, and we barely beat one. <laughs> yeah. We did drink Warhead flavored soda, and it was terrible. Uh, yeah. Not even in like a sour way, terrible. Like it just all around wasn't good. Yeah. If you ever want it wasn't to know what sour, it's like, the flavor wasn't good. Yeah. If you ever yeah. want to know what it's like to drink chemicals, that's probably the closest you'll get without doing something lethal. Curtis, do you have a one thing for us? I do. I don't know if you guys are aware, but right now is. A cool thing on Steam called Steam Next Fest. And this is when there's a bunch of indie games that all put out their demos, like a stupid amount of demos. There's too many to play. <clears throat> um, and it's just like you can you just go scroll through it and think, hey, look, this looks interesting. I'm going to download the demo and try it. Um, and it gets sorted. So there's people that you can sort it by, I think, most wish listed most um like trending upcoming and then daily active demo players is the other one so it's there's good ways to sort through everything um, that's on here um this is where i played um what was it super 56 the demo yes and again just immediately thought of ryan and i thought he has to he has to play this that's truly an honor. Demo. he has to play it um that game is just like WarioWare is really weird, right? But I it's, this feels like it doesn't have like WarioWare is weird, but it's still a Nintendo game. So it's still kind of I don't want to use the word safe because it's not like Super 56 is a gross game or anything. But <laughs> they just go so even farther out there to where like why is this happening? Just the cutscene, the opening cutscene, I'm like what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so excited. I was just so confused. I don't want to, I won't say anything, but I was just, yeah, I was just watching along. I'm like, why is this happening? And then you can, you can customize your, I guess, profile. So you can choose like a profile picture and they're all just, nothing feels connected. Everything's just so disjointed in an, in an incredible way. And you can do like a tagline um, every time I started a run my weird polygonal guy would pop up and say, we are so blessed right now as he would start playing his games. And <laughs> I can't remember what the other line I came up with was, but um, yeah, it's just so weird. Um, it's great. The whole game is played with exactly one button, um, including the menus. If you want to start, you can cycle through the menu, just tapping A. Then when you get to the thing you want, you hold down A and then it selects it. Which is kind of a funny way to do it, but wow, it doesn't let you use the D-pad. But yeah, they committed to it. Um, but there's a character who doesn't have 
any hands. And so it said, if you use a D-pad in the menu, it'll make that character sad. So I was like, well, I guess I can't use the D-pad. Um, yeah, so it's committed. Uh, I'm curious to hear what you think about it, Ryan, because it is like WarioWare, but the games are not that short. Like, they go on for a minute or so, you know, um, so as you play through them. So the setup is similar, heaven. but it's not... I, I've never played, played Rhythm Heaven, so maybe, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see what you think. There's a couple of games where I'm like, I don't know what I did wrong, or it happens too fast to figure out. So then you mess up at first, but then it keeps going, and then you're like, well, I'm already kind of screwed. I can't really come back. And so you just kind of lose. So there's a couple spots where I'm like, I don't know. But at the same time, the whole vibe, the whole presentation, they really, really went for it. And it's just, it's so weird. Um, I, I think my favorite one was maybe the archery game where you had to shoot some apples off some dudes, but they're like in weird poses. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't go that into does more sound... Man, why does that sound so WarioWare? I can't even describe why, but like... It yeah. is WarioWare, yeah. <laughs> well, Ryan, I'm, I assume you've seen the cover, right? You bought the game, you said. Um, it's like a guy like doing... A yes. yoga pose yeah, on the yeah. side, the but like his, you, can see, out. you can see his butt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So those are those are the models. There's three poses like that with the models, and that's where you're shooting the apples off of. So yes, that that is I think very. You get an achievement way. if you get an arrow in a certain spot. Um, <laughs> <which> <laughs> me up a little bit, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited for you to play it. That's one game I played quite a few games. Most of them as really quick through um so the one i other another one i wanted to try but the demo does not work online and i didn't want to try it with the hotel wi-fi or offline you have to play online or a local co-op reverses i should say um so i didn't really get to try yet it's called checkmate showdown oh there's a demo um, of that yeah it's up right now yeah that's we talked about this game Okay. No, yeah. but I know about it. Go ahead. It's amazing. So it is a it's a mashup of chess. They even have a. I feel like we talked about this because I noticed there's a link to chess.com to learn how to play chess, which I think is fun. Um, is but funny. it's a mashup of chess and a fighting game. So when you go to take a piece off the board, um, you don't just take it. The two pieces actually like suddenly you're playing like Street Fighter or something. And it seems yeah. into the chessboard, and you have to actually do like a fighting game. So if you don't, if you're taking the piece and you can't beat that piece in the fighting game, you don't get to take the piece. Um, so you actually have to like play both games essentially, which I think is really interesting. So I'm excited to try it, but yeah, the demo isn't working right now just due to where I don't want to try to do hotel Wi-Fi to play it. Um, yeah, it looks really interesting. I noticed I watched a little bit of the live stream earlier today. Um. It looks like the your pieces don't like regain their health. So if you fight and you win, but you lose half your health in that fight, the next time uh, they can try to take that piece, your piece yeah. is still at half health. So you know you can't just completely yeah. I think it is a good way to balance that a little bit. Um, so yeah, that game looks interesting. Um, see another one I tried is called The Last Faith. Which is like a 2D Metroidvania. I'm seeing this Bloodborne seeing, uh, articles about this one today, actually. Yeah, uh, I'm torn on it 
I think it has a lot of potential, but there's some weird things about it that I don't like. Um, the counter to counter enemy attacks is really weird. You have to like hit right bumper and then Y to do the counter. It's not mm-hmm. doesn't have its just own dedicated button, which is really weird to me. Um, and I don't know. There's a few things. I don't know if it's just because I when I am when I was saying, oh, it's like Bloodborne. And it does look a lot like Bloodborne. And in a lot of, like, even the story beats that I saw to begin with are like, yeah, this feels just like Bloodborne. I even, like, talked to some girl through a window in the town that looks like the setting of Bloodborne. I'm like, this is just Bloodborne. Um, but then, you know, your dodge rolls don't have any iframes. So if you try to dodge roll through an attack, you'll get hit still. It's just for repositioning, which really threw me off. I kept trying to dodge through people's attacks and just kept getting hurt. And, yeah, I don't know. Something about the combat feels a little off to me, but I think it might just be me and getting used to how the game plays. Um, And there's some things that are not really explained, including your inventory. I kept getting items. Like, I I kept getting bullets, and I kept wondering when I was going to get a gun. And it took, I played for like 30 minutes before realizing I've had, I had a gun the whole time. I just had to cycle through my inventory to get to it, but there's not really, I didn't see really any indication of how to do that, which is kind of weird. Um, and they also took the one mechanic from Bloodborne, which I think I liked the least, which is the healing item in that game is not like an Estus flask in dark souls where whenever you rest it, um, it refills. It's a consumable. So if you run out and you're on a hard boss, you have to basically go grind and get more of them. And this game has the exact same thing where um, you can run out of consumables, which for a while I couldn't figure out where the button was. And then I accidentally pressed it. I'm like, oh, was that it? And I pushed it again. I'm like, oh, that was it. And that was my last two. So I went to go rest to get more. And then it was all gone. I was like, oh, great. I don't have any more healing items. It's because I was trying to figure out how to use them. That kind of sucked, too. So there's a few things like that. I feel like if they iron out uh, those little issues, I think it would play a lot better. But, like, they went in all in on the voice acting. The art style looks pretty great, too. Um, yeah, so I think it's got a lot of potential. I'm not 100% sold on it yet, personally. Um, then the last one I'll call out. Ryan, I think this this game made me think of you too. Um, it's called Yellow Taxi Goes Vroom. Sounds great. And this is basically you play as a little like wind up taxi, yellow taxi. It goes vroom. Um, and imagine it. It's it's basically Mario sixty four, but instead of like a mascot platformer, you're a little car. So <laughs> you you can't jump. You have to just go off ramps and stuff. Um, to get higher and whatnot. And there's like this little spin boost thing. So if you hit X or whatever, it'll do this little spin and then launch itself forward. So if you're going up a jump, you can do that on your way up the jump to get more speed to go off the jump higher and get more air to get to higher places and stuff. Um, it's a really, honestly, a pretty cool idea. But it, I think, I don't know. I'm curious to see how the whole dem- whole game turns out just because... That concept is really great, but I think you're going to have to make sure your level design is like perfect because 
there's a few spots where I was like, these like really tight corners or tight corridors and stuff don't feel as good to play as the car, you know, because, or like if you're trying to do a series of jumps and stuff and you mess up, you have to go all the way back to the beginning to try it again. But it's not always, it's not just quite as intuitive. You don't, I mean, you're a car, right? So you move like a car. So it doesn't feel quite as intuitive that way. So as long as they're level designed, though, because there's there's some parts where I played that where I was like, oh, this feels great to go off like these series of jumps that are in the forms of pillars in this ocean, and you're kind of just launching yourself off jump after jump to get across to this thing over here. That felt great. Like there's some points in that game where I'm like, oh, this is really awesome. Um, so I think it's got a lot of potential, and it's also just a very weird game. It's got a very retro look. If you, I went into the settings. And it had different options for, um, there's like, uh, it was like the retro setting, I think is what it was. And then it had like the default one. Um, so the presentation looked more kind of Nintendo 64-ish. It had a CRT overlay and then it had a modern overlay. And I think you even said it was like too modern or too boring or something like that when you get to that setting. Um, and everything's like, you know all the pixels are like pixel perfect and everything. And it doesn't have any CRT overlay at all whatsoever. Um, but yeah, you're, you play as a little taxi and the inventor of this little taxi is named Morio, who is like a mechanic who looks a lot like another well-known uh, video game character. And he is asking you to help him because an alien has come and is selling oil and it's like corrupted oil or something. And so you, you got to get rid of it, I guess. So you got to go collect these green gears to help with that. And it's very much Mario Odyssey, where if you're in a level and you get the green gear, just like in Mario Odyssey, where you get the moon, it just does like, you know, you get it and it's great. And then you just keep playing from there. You don't get kicked out of the level or anything. This plays just like that. So it really feels like Mario Odyssey and 64, but you're a little yellow taxi. Um, oh, and the alien's name is Alien Mosk. Mo Mosk. Anyway, yeah. There's a lot of just jokes like that. I don't know like if that. I understand that um, one. Oh, because his his company is Ta Tasla, I think is. What oh, it is. I okay. Yes, uh, now I understand. <laughs> yeah, Alien Mosk. Mosk. Maybe Mosk is the better way to pronounce that. Not Mosk. Alien Mosk, with his company Tasla, has come from the outer space and is. But instead, he has oil. That's bad. I don't know. Um, I I wonder if Mike Struckerberg will be in that game. He <laughs> might be, honestly. Um, but yeah, it's a weird little game. You, there's like a big hub world where Morio's grandma, I think, like founded this town on this island, so you can drive around and talk to the people there. Um, you can run them over, and they make funny noises. Um, you can be a terrible, terrible, terrible person and run over a dog, but it does not make any sad noises. It kind of makes like a squeaky, like plush noise and then just bounces away. They just bounce away when you run over people. They just go, ah, and then they just kind of <laughs> bounce away into the distance. It's weird. It's, it's a weird game, but it's got a lot of charm to it. So I'd recommend trying that demo out too. That's it. That's my Steam Next Fest report. Wow. I have more games I am excited to try, and I will have another report next week, probably, if Excellent. I get to record. 
well, if I'm there. I don't know if I'll be there. I personally am glad that you're playing these because when I get thought of, it's usually for a reason <laughs> in this context. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I looked up fun, the, yeah. the taxi one and yeah, that one does look really fun to me. Yeah, it's definitely worth trying out. Oh, another one I tried was another crab's treasure. I don't know if you guys have heard of this one. Yes, I remember. It's the Souls-like one with the crab. Um, I think it has potential too. I want to try it again because the whole time I was playing it, it, the gameplay always just felt a little off. Like my button presses felt off, like timing-wise and stuff. I'm like, what is going on with this game? And I realized that when I was trying to play it on my Steam Deck, um, I had been playing Risk of Rain 2. And Risk of Rain 2 never closed, so I was playing that game while that one was running in the background, and I think that might have been causing issues. So I'm going to give that one a try again once I realize that. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Usually I've accidentally almost done that once, and it gave me a warning like, hey, we recommend closing this other thing before you start this one up. But it didn't do that this time, and so I was just playing two games at the same time, and I think it really hit like the performance struggled so yeah yeah the steam next fest is really cool though so i recommend just going and going through all the games and seeing if anything stands out the genres and all that kind of stuff i found one that's like a how do they describe it i can't remember but it's like a deck building roguelike top-down shooter thing sure just like that that sounds interesting just yeah. pc game yeah <laughs> yeah so there's some cool little ideas that people have do they do multiple oh, steam next fests a year is it always at this time of year it seems like it always just kind of pops up randomly like i can't predict what it's I feel going like to they did it like six months ago so maybe they're doing it yeah. two, twice a year because i had played i tried the gunbrella in the last one yeah but i feel like that was still this year well, and they seem they usually seem like tied to some kind of gaming event, I thought, but there's not any big gaming events happening right now. Yeah. But, Maybe it was yeah, in February. Yeah, I don't it's know. It's kinda like when they feel like it and like it's time again. Apparently there's one already set for February twenty twenty four. Okay. So maybe it is just like a every six months thing now yeah well there's a june 2023 one this year that's probably when it was yeah I, okay and so that would have been summer game fest yeah that there makes sense yeah and now they're celebrating mirage month of spider wonder yeah yeah there's a million other games so well i could see it they're they're like what your whistle with some small experiences in between right all the other games you're playing all right well thank you everyone for participating in mike struckerberg's one thing it's great um so thanks mike <laughs> thank you mike uh this wait, is wait 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 oh he's so cool 
<laughs> Classic. The soundboard returns. <laughs> it's been too long. I I was having trouble finding the right image for a Tootsie Roll emoji, by the way, for our Discord. Oh, but that does need to happen. <laughs> it does. And my goal was to have just an unwrapped Tootsie Roll as the emoji. <laughs> <laughs> but the dimensions weren't quite right where I could just have the the unwrapped Tootsie Roll. Um, well, good news. I still have some of those Tootsie Rolls from our game night. Oh, you could even make your, you can make your own. But they're all the way back in Utah, so I can't get to it right yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. Well, but I will make it a priority when I get home to make that unwrapped Tootsie Roll emoji. Excellent. Well, that I'm sure everyone's going to use positively. Oh, I have a feeling it it'll be like anything else. <laughs> I have a feeling it will be used a lot more often than we think. Um, all right. Enough of this. Let's get into the topic. It's going to be messy. I'm going to do my best, but I just wanted to do this episode. Uh, because I beat a game called Xenoblade Chronicles 3. A type of game that I had never really played before. Um... And just before we start, uh, this this episode is titled Ryan Attempts to Explain the Plot of Xenoblade Chronicles 3. <laughs> and that is exactly what I aim to do, is an attempt to explain this to you guys. Do you guys have any context whatsoever for any Xenoblade game? Um, uh, Super Smash Brothers. That, that, I think that's a lot of people's entry point. I know yeah. that Shulk is really feeling it, I think, is what he says. <laughs> That's it, though. Uh, I know it's like sci-fi. Okay, yeah. And in the second one, your weapons were people, yeah, or yeah. like they, between being weapons and people, but that does not return in the third one, right? In the third one, it's more about like pairs of people becoming yes powerful together or something yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so before we start this i'm just going to give you a little setup i barely know anything about xenoblade chronicles 1 and 2 but what what i do know is uh, and by the way this is going to be a hundred percent full spoilers right from the get-go um so I have a feeling that most of our listeners will never play Xenoblade Chronicles 3. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you guys will never even be interested in trying it. So I feel pretty good about this episode and just kind of spoiling it. Um, but if you do have plans, I guess stop listening now. Uh, but my theory is, is that if you have plans and you do listen to this, you will forget most of the stuff I say because it is a I'll lot of it stuff. Won't matter. Yeah. <laughs> But towards the end of the game, you find out that the world of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was created because the world of Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and the world of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 collided into each other. And this oh. world is created by someone stopping time right before that happens. And... That is the world of Xenoblade Chronicles 3. 
so it's like it exists in the moment of time before the collision yes but the collision isn't really a collision it's more of the worlds phasing into each other i don't okay but i i'm not really sure how all that works because i don't really know i didn't play the dlc but i think they attempt to explain some of that in the dlc okay uh but that's kind of like a big reveal at the end of the game is there's a character from Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 that show up and they're like, hey, this is what's happening. We're from these worlds. So um, they're just trying to like justify why this is a single franchise. Pretty <laughs> like much. Retroactively. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so basic gameplay of this, which we won't really get into the gameplay too much, but just for context, this is an auto battle uh, type of game. You have a party of seven, all of which you switch between and have different abilities you can use. Um, you have your six main heroes and you have one hero that you can change between. And if they just stand there and they're close enough to an enemy, They'll just automatically start swinging their shooting their weapon at it. And if you you also have different abilities that you can trigger, and you you basically have like eight abilities at a time that charge up, and you can use them whenever they're charged. There's certain uh certain attacks that you can fuse together for a more stronger attack. And they put uh, frame canceling as a mechanic in this game. And so if you use one of your special moves in the middle of the animation of one of your default moves, it triggers like a special like effect on the screen and you do the second attack faster. And they like encourage you to do that. And then there's also uh, fusing where two characters from the party, once they charge enough stuff up, they fuse together, turn into these big monsters, and fight stuff. And so is it two humans yes. fuse and become monster? Okay. Uh, yes. And I will get into where all of these things come into play in just a second. Um, but it's also a big open world game, so you just travel uh across the land look for side quests there's like a hundred something hours worth of content in this game and i guess the other thing that needs to be said that i've said a few times i think on the podcast is this game is an anime disguised as a video game and it's a pretty good anime disguised as a video game but you are watching a lot of this game. Um, but the story is interesting enough that I found myself enjoying it a lot. But if you do not like cutscenes, this game is not for you. Um, because they really want you to like delve into this world. And so, all that being said, I'm going to give you guys some vocab that you'll need to know. So, 
uh, we first have Kevis and Agnes. These are two colonies that are at war with each other. So that's important. Um, you have um, the Flame Clock, which each colony has sub-colonies, and they all have this thing called a Flame Clock, which is fueled by how many people they are killing. <laughs> and if their Flame Clock runs out, uh, it's basically like a big meter. It's like a circle with like a meter filling up in it. If it runs out, the whole colony dies. So that's essentially like what keeps them alive. Killing each other? Yeah, I was going to say killing other people. Yeah, so they, they, they have to like constantly be taking life in order to fill up their flame clock. And if they're if they don't do that, they will all die because their flame clock will slowly run out. Just human, like other humans, or if they like go hunting, it, it can be either. Go and deer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does this make them vampires technically? Uh, well, let's get into uh <laughs> another uh, type of person called a consul. Who sure. could be a vampire once we get into that part of it? But the consuls are in charge of each of the sub colonies. And they are just like Consul A through Consul Z. That's, they're only named letters of the alphabet. Um, cool. And then it's later revealed they become the Mobius, which are consoles that fuse together and become giant purple monsters. And on the other side, the good guys become the Ouroboros, which are good guys that fuse together and become big white monsters. Are you guys racist? Mm, in certain contexts, yes. <laughs> I was speaking of the uh, the absence of color white. <laughs> Um, so just a few more things no pawn those are those weird like fu furry ball rabbit ear t type of dudes that I'm sure you've seen they're a big part of this game uh yes I think so yeah. yes yeah they're called no pawn I've seen, I've seen them okay yeah uh, they're just little creatures they speak broken english but they kind of but they help. are important they are important yes just because they're all over the place in the context of the story only two of them are important and then okay everybody in each colony has different jobs but one of the most important ones related to the story is called an offseer and what they do is they find the dead of their colony and play their magical flutes and send the life essence of the dead back to wherever it came from. It's kind of like a ritual for them. So. <laughs> All right. But it's, it's to make them move on, not to come back, right? Yes. It's like letting them go. Okay. Yes. Um, any questions so far? 
the good guys <laughs> turn into the Ouroboros? Is that what you said? Yes. Is that one, or is it a snake eating its own tail? And two, are they still good guys? Is it like a big good monster? Well, it's related to your party, who are the heroes of the game. Uh, it is not a snake eating its own tail, but uh, Mobius and Ouroboros are part of that thing that's famous. Also, the yin yang? I don't remember. But the guy from Loki is called Mobius, and they just introduced a character in season two called Ouroboros. So, yes. Uh, oh, I know that. Okay. I know that they're related. I can't quite remember why. Uh, uh, and Ouroboros is also in. Oh, I'm blanking on the name of it. Inscription? That's yeah. Right. Oh, okay. yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't remember the name of that game for a second. All right. So there's there's seven chapters in this game. I'm just going to go one by one. Some chapters are shorter than others. Chapter one might be a longer explanation just because it sets up the story. But essentially, you have these two colonies, Kevis and Agnes, who are constantly at war with each other. And you find out that people come into existence at age 10, and then they die at age 20. So no one has any memories uh, before age 10. It's an anime dream. <laughs> um, and then at age 20, they die no matter what, but they all hope to die at age 20 and make it what to what's called the homecoming ceremony. Um, and I think I explained this to you guys once before, but one of the most interesting things that I'll never forget about this game is they set up the flame clocks at the beginning of the game and they're like, hey, you need to be constantly fighting monsters and people because if you run out of your flame clock bar, you will you will lose, essentially. And they give you lots of tutorials about this. And then in this first chapter of the game, your flame clock ends up being destroyed uh, because you become Ouroboros, which I'll explain how that happens. But they say, hey, all that stuff we taught you doesn't matter. You don't actually have a flame clock anymore. And I find that choice so interesting to like spend like an hour of the game explaining what, why this is important and what, how it relates to gameplay. And then just to be like, Hey, you guys are too special for this. So ignore all that. Do you think it was like a play testing thing where they were like, people don't like being forced to do this, but we got to, I don't change know. it up real quick <laughs> because the whole game is like centered around destroying other people's flame clocks. I don't really know, but anyways, okay. they basically liberating. Yes. Liberating. All right. Okay. Um, so you start off as your core cast of characters, Noah, uni and Lance. Um, Noah is kind of like your generic protagonist, but he's one of the most important people in the game. He's an offseer. 
Um, then you've got Uni. She's kind of like the tough uh, healer person. She's got like weird bird wings on her hair head. Um, and then Lance is also a tough guy, and he's kind of their like tank type of guy. And so they find out that there's like this this item that they have to go find, and they meet the other three important characters looking for the same thing. So Noah, Uni, and Lance are from the Kevis colony. <laughs> this is going to make me laugh explaining all this because we're going to lose so many listeners so fast. <laughs> uh, and then from the Ag- Agnes colony, you've got Mio, Senna, and Tyon. Mio is basically like I- Noah's opposite. And they're like the main characters of the game. Senna is kind of like a timid, uh, but like she has a big hammer. Tyon is a tactician type of guy. Uh, Charlotte always thought he looked like a Harry Potter character whenever she saw him. Um, (laughs) And they meet up and they find this device and they fight each other. But then they, they kind of get confused because they realize, hey, you guys aren't so bad after all, just based on this fight al- alone. And then they meet some guy named Guernica Van Dam. Dang, that's a good name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're confused because he looks different than normal people, and it's because he looks really old. And... He kind of explains what this device is. It's a big, like, glowing gray rock. It's, like, glowing green, kind of. Um, and they kind of all fight over it, and more soldiers come, and uh, Guernica ends up dying. But in his last dying breath, he activates this device, which it turns out to be an Ouroboros stone, and that turns these six people into Ouroboros. And then he tells them that they need to find a place called Swords March. And that is chapter one. That's chapter one? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, also... This all feels like things that should have happened like halfway through the game at least. This is why I want to explain this game to you guys. Because it's... Like... it's It probably sounds baffling when I'm explaining it to you guys that it's popular but i wasn't as into it these first two chapters but the more i have played i was like okay i think i'm into this um and another important thing to keep in mind chapter one and two takes like 10 hours and that 10 hours is a tutorial like they are giving you lots of information throughout this first 10 hours of the game. So you know how to play it and what's going on. (laughs) Any questions so far? I'm just still amazed that this is just chapter one. (laughs) This feels like a plot, like the, what do you call it? The turning point in the game that (laughs) happens like halfway through the story, you know, like, Oh, everything we thought we knew was wrong. But that's happening in chapter one. Yeah. And that's just, that's really great. <laughs> so chapter two doesn't take as long to 
explain. They they basically run into these consoles and have to fight them here and there um, when they turn into big monsters. They when they become Ouroboros, their their minds are connected and they're able to see like each other's memories and that kind of like connects them in such a way that like they start to like put aside their differences even though they're from warring colonies. Um, it is beautiful. <laughs> um and so chapter 2 they start introducing new heroes and the idea that you can go to different towns and destroy their flame clock and kind of show them like hey we actually don't need to fight like for some reason we've been fighting this whole time but the flame clock is just an illusion to make us keep doing it um and so so you you meet i i won't get into all the heroes that you meet because there's just too many um but one of the important ones is ethel um who will come into play later, but she, uh, names are really something. Yeah. (laughs) And the heroes are very diverse. Like you have this like AI girl that is confused on like her directives. You have a pirate man who used to be a, a, a Mobius console, but now he just wants to sail the seas. Uh, you have a person who is raised by the Nopon who is like also part robot. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of different interesting characters in this game. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much chapter two is it's kind of just like an introduction to uh, this idea that like colonies can help you and you want to destroy their flame clocks and get more heroes and stuff like that. Any questions about this? <laughs> is there anyone that's like pro flame clock? Oh, or is it like most pretty people. universal? So oh, okay. when you when you free a town or a colony, you do a bunch of quests, and part of the quest is like half the people hate that you've done this, and the other half like want you like are kind of excited by the idea that they don't have to fight anymore. And you kind of have to like show people that it's okay. Mm. Um, okay. yeah. So chat's not <laughs> to <laughs> the Mobius. It's not. Um, so chapter three, uh you have just freed Ethel's colony and she kind of guides them um to keep going and I don't know there's a, there's a I guess this is an, an important detail this is the big detail of chapter 3 so over the course of the game, they kind of show the past of the main crew training. And they have this friend named Joran who essentially sacrificed himself to 
uh, saved their lives. And he was kind of like a weaker part of their party. And so this was kind of like his big hurrah to prove that he was like a useful member of the team. And he ends up dying. And they go to one of the colonies and they meet Consul J, who takes off his mask and is revealed to be their friend Joran. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> and so they're this all is just all all the tropes one after the other. I, it's incredible. That is another thing I have tried to describe this game as is every dystopian universe you've ever read is all in this game. Um why do, why do just one? Yeah. <laughs> so Joran recognizes them or Consul J now. And like everyone's confused what how he could become a, a Mobius and blah blah blah. So that's basically chapter three. Um chapter four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's seven, right? There's seven, yeah. And okay. uh chapter four, um, So they go to a castle, Kevis Castle. Um and one of the consuls has this plan to kind of take over the Ouroboros. And he has the consuls since they're in charge of colonies, they still have like a lot of sway over people and so they forced Ethel to fight this other guy named Kamaravi um, who are kind of these like brilliant generals, they're uh, enemies and they've, they've fought in many times, but um, the consuls kind of like bring them together and they're confused, like why they're part of the same plan, but they do what they say. And this is when it's revealed that there is a queen of Kevis and a queen of Agnes. And, they are kind of like above the consuls. Uh, but it is later revealed that they are actually robots. And game loves robots. Yeah. There, yeah, it really does. Um, but essentially they have Ethel and Kamaravi fight, and they kind of realize what their fight is like stupid because it's just a Excuse me, I might need some water to uh just gonna take a quick water break. Alright. Um and so they kind of like create a distraction um for the uh the Ouroboros people and end up killing themselves in the process. And this is when they find out uh, that in this castle, there's a bunch of like pods in the castle and they look and they see Ethel who has recently died. And they kind of put it together that they are all clones and that when they die, they come back to life as clones with their memories erased. <laughs> Um, 
So all all of the main characters for sure clones immediately. Yes, anybody who's not a console or a Mobius or whatever are all clones. <clears throat> and it could have been multiple reincarnations at this point. We don't know at this point how many times they've been cloned. Yes, at this point it's it's pretty unclear. Um and at the very end of this chapter, um you meet a group called the Lost Numbers and you uh you kind of meet up with them at the beginning of chapter five. All right, any more questions at this point? <laughs> so lost who are lost clones? numbers? Yeah, that's like a, a new faction that's introduced. And I'll I'll explain who they are in a in a minute. What were you saying, Curtis? All the main characters like so who's are the clones? So They're like just a random citizen of this world, they don't get cloned because they're not special. So there are no random citizens of this world. Any anyone who is born into this world is fighting the war. That's that's going on, and no one really like knows anything other than the other side is their enemy, and so it's just like a constant of the clones are bred, and then they're trained to fight, then they fight, and then they die. And then their same body is born again as a clone, and the process starts all over again. Do they need to have the flute played to them so their soul can go into the clone? That is an interesting thing that I'm I'm still a little unclear on. But as I understand it, the uh, it's basically kind of similar to that, but not really. I think it's I think being an offseer is just kind of like upholding the tradition to put everyone at ease. Um I can try to look that up though. Let's see. Do we understand at this point? why we're doing any of this no like why why does anybody want these people cloned over okay we don't know so at this point there are a lot of questions that need to be answered chapter five is a big chapter where they kind of like reveal a lot of this stuff and you kind of get bits and pieces of it like the clone thing wasn't as surprising to me because it was like, okay, these guys start at age 10. So something right. weird is going on and like clones seem to be like a, or like being bred in some sort of test tube seems to be a thing, but um, yeah. 
anyways, well, let, let's try getting into chapter five and maybe it will illuminate some of this stuff. So they uh, escape the castle they were in and they go with the lost numbers. Um, and their leader is Monica Van Dam, who is Guernica Van Dam's daughter, who is at the beginning of the game. He's the one who turned them into Ouroboros. Um, and she leads them to their secret city, which is inside Swords March. So they've made it to Swords March at this point, which is, it basically is like the big sword from Xenoblade Chronicles, like the one you see uh, on the cover I, of every game. But yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. in this game, it's a giant mountain that looks like that sword. Like it, it there is actually no Xenoblade in this game. Cool. Is this the one that Shulk uses? Yes, it is the same one. The the Monado, is that what it's called? That I do not know. The power of the Monado? Why do I know that? <laughs> Here, let me see if I can uh, get you guys the picture. It's not giving me an easy way to do that. Um, where is it? Well, this is a terrible picture, but it's there. It's just a big mountain now. Um, so they go to the city. Uh, also, the hold on. Holding is on. the rest of the picture. The rest of the mountain is that the back? Is that like the creature that? What's his name? Zong grows up on Rex. That it's sounds the stage familiar. Smash Brothers. Yeah, the stage in Smash Brothers. It might be. That's that same thing, right? That's got to be. As far as I knew, that character wasn't mentioned at all, but it might have been right. some side quest I didn't do. So I, I'm not as familiar with. That looks like that Smash Brothers stage. Yeah, I just know that's. I I could see. Xenoblade Chronicles Two stage. It probably is. Which would make sense if the, the two worlds phasing together or whatever. There's the big sword from the first game. There's the big creature thing from the second game. Now they're together and they're, they're there. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I don't either, and I played this whole game. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, they go into the city and their minds are blown because this city is filled with normal aging humans who are born normally. And this is kind of like a secret society who kind of knows that there's something wrong with whatever's going on in the warring world they're in. And they were able to somehow get some natural life in and repopulate. And now they, they're trying to take down the Mobius in order to uh, kind of figure out a way to not have a warring society. And you also find out that there are people who have been training to be Ouroboros, and they thought that they were going to become them, and they're mad that your party of six became Ouroboros instead and they find out you could, there can only be six Ouroboros at a time. Um, 
How convenient. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. So, Monica, the daughter of Guernica Van Dam, uh, she tells them that. Um. This. This uh, city is the descendants of the first Ouroboros, um, and that the Mobius is orchestrating this war so they can take the life energy from all the bloodshed, and then that energy is used to replace the, uh, the life of the clone bodies and repeat the cycles, and somehow this, like, they also use the life energy for themselves so the the mobius and the consuls can live forever essentially and they kind of have created this cycle of never ending death so they can harvest the life energy uh for their own purposes perfect um, system <laughs> the perfect system of course um and so they find out too that the real uh queen queens the non-robot versions are hidden somewhere in like a never-ending stasis and need to be awoken by the ouroboros in order to figure out what to do next um and so that becomes kind of oh. their... <laughs> go ahead i i didn't even know there were real queens i thought we just accepted queens are robots and that was just the way of things you know at at the point that I saw the robots, I thought that too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it turns out that the queens are the 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 peop the protagonists from Xenoblade Chronicles One and Xenoblade Chronicles Two, oh. and they're kind of like the last oh. surviving of the world. And you kind of find that out later that they they were able to travel successfully and meet together and they kind of have a plan uh, to do all this stuff. So they, um, one of my favorite parts of this game is when they go to this town, they, the people of the town are like, Hey, come into this hospital with us and we want you to check this thing out. And they show them a baby. And this was by far my favorite part of the game where they were like, whoa, this thing is so tiny. What is going on here? Like, they're so <laughs> baffled to see a baby. And, like, the mom who's holding the baby is like, stick your finger out. And one of the guys sticks his fingers out. And, like, the baby grabs the finger. And he's like, oh, 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 oh my gosh. <laughs> and then like everybody's like you got me yeah everybody's like no move i want to try like and like there was one part of the game where later they're like talking about life and how like full of hope it is and stuff and one of them's like yeah it's just like that baby we saw <laughs> and i thought to myself if someone was watching me play and heard this out of context like that is the funniest thing to me. Um and so a lot of this chapter is them kind of like experiencing what it's like what a, a life without war would be 
and like how great it would be not to have to die at age 20 and keep going and like be <laughs> old and stuff like that um so then there's a big prison break because the person who knows where the queens are is in prison and it ends up being monica's daughter who swears a lot and is mean and but she ends up being won over um how, wait what is time how does monica have a daughter yeah well guernica was really old and monica sure. is like mid 30s maybe 40s and so the daughter is like teens or something like that i don't know <laughs> but they've been around for a very long time apparently um and then we meet consuls n and m uh i haven't even talked about consul z yet which is uh a huge part of this game but we'll get to him later but they start to fight console n and m and then they take off their masks and wouldn't you know it they have the same bodies as noah and mio and they're like wait why does these people look exactly like us and so they're confused about that um and they end up losing and getting captured and uh they are put into prison um and they just are awaiting their death essentially i i do not know how i'm going to explain this part but this is essentially where you get to the three hour cutscene or the 90 minute cutscene that i i told you guys about <laughs> Uh, yeah, but part of it is there's like a music video song that's like playing while they're in prison and like all hope is lost and like uh they keep tell it like they're going to execute mio and they keep like she's in a different room as all the other people and they keep telling her like hey everything's gonna be okay just have hope we're gonna get out of this but like months pass in this time span and that's kind of like the music video montage and they can't figure out a way to get out of this and then the execution day comes and Noah uh our consul N and consul M the clone people of Noah and Mio are like what's going on like we got to kill these guys and and they had to name everybody so carefully in this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they um they take Mio out and they take everybody out to watch the uh the execution of Mio and then they kill Mio and Noah has to watch her die. And he like really wants to play the flute for her. Mio is an offseer, but also by the way, so they're both flute playing buddies. Um, and they don't let him. And then Noah kind of freaks out, and that's where chapter five ends. 
So this is probably a good place for questions. <laughs> because I probably skipped a lot of stuff, but... Uh, do you have any questions or comments about what's going on so far? Uh, uh, why? <laughs> why do you think? That's <laughs> why. Like it, like I've I'm not doing a great job of explaining, but I am kind of explaining it, and like. I I can't explain like, to you how enthralled I was at this point. Where yeah. I was so I I had probably spent about like 40 to 50 hours in this game at this point. And I was just like I cannot believe this main character has died and like I'm dying to know what happened next. Like it was pretty late when I experienced this and I was just like I just have to keep watching cuz I got to know what's going on in this story. So the 90 minute cutscene was not you enjoyed the 90 minute cutscene? I really did, honestly. Like I it was probably one of the highlights of the game for me. And and keep in mind this is the end of chapter 5 but probably the middle of the 90 minute cutscene which continues in chapter 6. <laughs> um do you think I don't they're know. Like, I guess my question is, why would you write this story? <laughs> I agree with that. I I <laughs> truly have no idea, like, what was going on. And I'm going to butcher this, but the next part of the story, I was like, like, I guess it's also important to say, like, sometimes they nail the voice acting and other times they do not. <laughs> and so, like, some moments I'm like, okay, this is kind of cheesy. And some, like, heroes, I'm like, all right, I want nothing to do with this guy because I hate listening to him talk. Mm -hmm. Um, In there. But, like, there's other people who, like... um like they do better like the main characters do pretty good at the voice acting with the exception of a few who don't really have any like uh meaningful like contributions like sometimes written yeah how they're written yeah um uh and like i didn't explain this mechanic of the game that i think i should where you have a mechanic to clean your clothes. Um, and they spend some time like talking about this mechanic of like, Hey, like sometimes you get dirty and you need to clean your clothes and you can only do this in like certain like rest spots. And it literally has no effect on anything in the game other than if you don't do it every once in a while, they'll start commenting on how dirty they feel. <laughs> and like I cannot tell you how many times I did it and just heard one of the characters say clean your body clean your mind I guess and that like <laughs> phrase is locked into my head but it was one of like those meaningless lines where I'm like why am I doing this 
Um, but at the beginning of chapter six, they attempt to explain this love story element of this all that I was like, is this the greatest love story ever told in video games? Or am I, or have they just tricked me into being invested in this world at this point? Um, because Noah goes into uh, sort of like a dream state. And in this dream state, he is able to see memories of his past self. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, right after Mio is executed. And so he sees one memory of his past self of what became of N who fell in love with, uh, well, we'll get into that later. So there's one, like in most of his memories and most of his past lives, he has found Mio and they have generally like put aside their differences, even though they're from warring sides and they have had some sort of love story happen throughout each of their past lives and there's one past life where they actually had a child um and they were able to like raise that child to a certain degree but because they only grew up to let uh to age 20 they both died and had to like leave the child alone um and there's there's constant like stories like this and then you get to one where um he's talking to this guy named Consul Zed who is one who's like the main consul who's constantly watching what's going on in the world on a old movie projector screen in his private theater and but it's like live it's like current yes but okay and but he's able to watch any point in time as well oh but it's okay. clearly like Convenient. got like an old projector sound and so there's no fancy setup here he just somehow has the magic projector that can watch anything and while he's in this room he's talking with uh noah and he's like hey I can make you guys live forever if you become a consul and like kill for me essentially. And I can do the same thing for Mio. You guys just have to do this. And so he decided to do that, even though he was fighting against this guy for a long time. And, um, you kind of find out that the Mio that's living forever hates this like lifestyle and that she's kind of disappointed in him and it kind of changed the relationship they had, but he kind of like convinces himself he's doing a good thing because now they can like live forever and not have to worry about the, the life they had before. And you find out that somehow he had doubt about this and that's what caused one of his clones to be reactivated to give him like another chance to kind of choose the opposite decision. I don't know how any of this works, but that's kind of how they explain it in the game. Um, uh, wait, quick question. Yes. 
<laughs> of course. The the baby that they had at some point. Yes. Never never talked about again. Okay. Oh, okay. Is but is that can that can that baby live longer than twenty years? I don't. I have no idea. And there's it, did, it didn't start at ten, right? It did not, and so I imagine yeah. it did. But again, there's a million side quests I did not do in this, and I wonder if there is one that explains that. But as the far as I know, I haven't heard anything about the baby in my playthrough. But it, yeah, it may just be it was a way to make it seem dramatic, and they're yes. like, oh, "But we're not going to follow up on that." And please keep in mind, protagonist for Xenoblade Chronicles Four. Yeah, um, keep in mind this whole time I'm like Noah and Mio forever. Like they've got to figure out a way to be together in this life. For sure. Um, so. After Noah has watched all these past lives, he comes back to the reality and plot twist. Console M, before they were imprisoned, switched consciousnesses <laughs> with the other, uh, with the real Mio. And so the the actual Mio is in the body of console M and has now become a Mobius Ouroboros fusion and is still alive. And now console N has to live with the fact that the person that he was in love with has been executed because of him. And so that's like the big, all of that is like the big reveal of it. And then the rest of the stuff goes by pretty quickly after that. Um, but Noah also finds out that he is able to get this magic sword called the Sword of the End during this time. Um, and Sounds worth it. Yeah. Should probably get that. <laughs> Then they go and try to find the queens, and they end up finding the queens. Um, and then they kind of find out that this console Z uh, is this big magic force um, who I, I can't quite remember his full motives, but essentially he was like, the reality I've created is better than the destruction of these two worlds. Um, and it's, I mean, it's essentially like a big AI that turns into this like desire. And so they get the Queens, they have this magic sword and they, decide to are they they're like we got to fight this thing um in order to win and bring these worlds out of this like endless cycle of time that's kind of paused before these worlds have like merged um 
and then uh, they eliminate it, and uh, Noah has to basically make this big decision that if he destroys this entity, it means that the worlds will uh, somehow... I, this is a part I didn't get, because... The worlds were colliding, but when you beat the boss, the worlds go apart. And so they figured out a way to, like, put them back to where they were. Um, but I'm not quite sure how that happened. But Noah is left with this final decision of, hey, you you can, like, end this cycle of war, but it means that these two worlds will be separated and you're... The Kevis people are from one world, and the Agnes people are from another world. So if you do this, you will never see Mio again. Um, and this is after they've confessed their love for each other. And so it's a big deal, but he decides that they got to do it anyways. And once you beat the final boss, it's like an excruciating, long, drawn-out scene where... They just slowly drift further and further apart, knowing that they'll never see each other again. And they kind of disappear. And then uh, it ends with the Kevis people being back on their planet as children. Um, and so time has kind of started off at that point in time. And they're just carefree. And then Noah hears... Uh, the sound of Mio's flute playing in the background. Um, kind of implicating maybe there's a way for them to find each other. And that's basically the whole plot of Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I don't know why I didn't expect it to turn into a big love story. Wow. <laughs> so here's some here's some questions for you guys, just to bring you in, because I just did a lot of talking. I could I I can't really tell you why I loved this story because when you're in the <laughs> game it's like like I think at the beginning you're like oh this is a lot of information to take in but you hit a certain point where you're like okay I kind of want to see what's going to happen but I don't know like I guess just general thoughts on this whole thing uh and if you've played other JRPGs, because I haven't played too many, like, is the, are these stories comparable to other JRPGs? Well, that's what I was thinking. So that's good. What was that? It sounds like you killed a god. <laughs> oh, this was a, a, big, a part. big AI who was all powerful, but yes. Oh, god, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to I think gonna... that I don't because I haven't played a lot of JRPGs that at least have like love stories like that, I guess. Fair. Uh, sorry, Paul, what were you gonna say? Um there are a lot of similarities with Tales of Arise. So Tales of Arise has um the two I guess in this case they're planets, not colonies, but 
the two groups that are at war and it's Rana, Rana and, and Dana in Tales of Arise, but um, the ultimate like victory of Tales of Arise is getting them to combine. It's good in that game. You want them to combine. Um, but there's also this love story in Tales of Arise that is also, you know, the star-crossed lovers. The they're from the different worlds. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, I guess I I can't remember enough of the plot to pick out the other similarities. But as you were describing it, there's not clones in Tales of Arise, mm -hmm. but there is like, there is like, um secret identities or like expanded identities of the main characters over time you okay. find out like the the truth about them so there there is that kind of similarity as well um but like i'm trying to think other jrpgs i've played i mean i haven't really played other like sci-fi jrpgs like there's not a lot of crossover with um persona 5 what about uh final fantasy curtis because i feel like final fantasy 7 is kind of like sci-fi like a lot of sci-fi stuff going on lists type of stuff I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I played the original Final Fantasy VII, but yeah, I guess there is some cloning stuff in that game, if I remember right. It's been so long. Yeah, Not to get into specifics of that one, but yeah. Got it. Yeah, the... that is a thing. If I remember right, someone's gonna be tell me how wrong I am. But... <laughs> um, there. The whole time I was playing it, I did think, like, this does remind me of, like, the best animes I've seen. Of, like, in terms of, like, pacing and, like, the plot twists and the world building and things like that. And, like, the, the pure-hearted protagonists who are yes. fueled by love. Mm -hmm. Um... And that makes them slightly powerful than everyone else because they have so much hope and love that everything is great. Yes, all of that is very much in Tales of Arise, too. That it's it's the love that that fuels them, you know. Except in Tales of Arise, um Shion the female protagonist has what she just calls thorns, which is like a curse that anyone who touches her experiences extreme pain. Mm. Um, and so there's a lot of moments in the game where it's like, I'm going to hug you anyway. <laughs> um does so she yeah, just like, like hug bad guys too? Just just jump on them and just 
No, ironically, she fights with a gun. Like, I don't know oh, why she, she doesn't... the most face possible. Yeah, I don't know why like she... just, she... like, grab people's faces to force them yeah. to touch her hands and just experience pain. Someone should have pointed this out. <laughs> huge, huge miss here. Well, she touched the gun, and so that touched the bullets, and the bullets inflict the same pain. <laughs> oh, it's one of those. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You should just slap someone across the face. It's pain from the slap and from being touched by her. Right. Double pain. So but anyway, really yes. Her the... slaps are buffed. Yeah. Slap buff. Buff slap. Buff slap. <laughs> <laughs> buff uh, slap anyway. But... Baby buff slap. <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. There's definitely that connection of the like the true power in the universe is love, you know? Yeah. It it has... Her Final Fantasy X has some of those lines, too, in that story. I haven't played that one, but I know some of the twists and whatnot, and it reminds me of some of those twists, it sounds like, too. At, uh, a few months ago, I could have told you some of the weird lines that just were repeated over and over again. Like, clean body, clean yeah, mind, I guess. clean your body, clean your mind, I guess. <laughs> uh, there's one where it's like, I, I forget how he starts it, but he's like, that was a great battle, and I was the MVP. You were all thinking it, right? <laughs> and the, yeah, it's just funny. I, I didn't even explain chain attacks, which is another huge mechanic of the game, but I'm not going to get into it. There's like, but like the chain attacks are basically math battles that you have to do, and they everybody loves math battles. Yeah, they uh, are like the most like anime fight scene type of thing where like you choose different characters and they all like do their different poses, say their different lines. And, like, the whole battle stops so you can, like, do this segment of the game in sort of, like, a... It's a, the classic anime thing of, like, every move has a name and you have to announce it before you do it. Yes, for sure. Um, I don't know. It's just... I, I just needed to, like, get all that information off my chest because... It was not it. the game I was expecting when I decided to play Xenoblade Chronicles 3. But it was the game you needed. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I played it. I, I might want to do the first two games just to see where, like, where the story goes and how, like, the characters connect, but I'm not quite sure where I'm at with wanting to do that right now. Um, especially because I heard that Xenoblade Chronicles 3 really improved upon like the actual gameplay. And so it might oh, be hard to, to go back. I hadn't heard that, but that would, okay. Yeah, that would make me hesitant as well. Yeah. Uh, apparently it was a little bit... Uh, I don't remember why it was better, but I want to say that it wasn't uh, an auto battler. 
in the other game you had to like press all the buttons uh okay uh but i that that actually might be completely false i don't remember but yeah there's still dlc i could play that connects it more to the other games and um I guess I didn't even mention Riku and Manana, the two Nopon that help you. They have a whole thing and there's a lot I didn't explain, but I think I got the main main beats out there. Riku uh, and what? Manana. Manana okay. Yeah. It is banana with an M. Yes. Banana with an M. Um Well, I think that's it. I don't know. I don't how did you guys feel about this episode? I don't know how interesting it is for me to like mostly explain something and then just pause in between. I mean, I can see why you wanted to try to explain it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that too. It is interesting to hear how this whole story works out and stuff cuz I also don't think I would ever I wasn't really planning on getting around to playing this game. And yeah. it's but I can see why people because I've heard lots of good things about the story of this game. So now I understand that a little bit more. Well, listeners, let us know if you hated this episode and be honest. Uh <laughs> but if you liked it, <laughs> you could say it was alright, I guess. Uh, and you could let us know this by emailing us at chancetimepodcast at gmail.com. Um, or you could join our Discord. The link to join is in our episode description. Um, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel that has no videos on it that Curtis created. I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> I won't worry about that yet. All right, yeah. We'll tell people to subscribe to that when there's a some kind of video of some kind up there. Perfect. Um, but if you can find it and subscribe to it before there's a video, you win the game. That would be great. And yeah, that'd be crazy. If you find it, subscribe to it, and create a video before we do, <laughs> we will post it to the channel. <laughs> <laughs> um. And with all of that, I think the episode is over. So uh, thank you for coming to see James. And have a happy chance time day. Goodbye. Bye.